Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Nucleus Investment Insights. Today's episode is called Fundamental Bears vs. Technical Bulls. It always takes two different opinions to make a market. Right now, we're at a key inflection point. What happens next will likely determine if markets scream higher or sink lower. On the agenda, we'll look at the world economy, company valuations and earnings, and how they're currently differing. We'll then look at the technical analysis and what's happening with price. And then, as always at the end, we'll explore the investment implications. Today, as always, I want to welcome the co-founder and chief investment officer at Nucleus Wealth, Damien Klassen. Welcome. Hey, Sam. Hey, gang. Very good, thanks. How are you going? Yeah, good. Good, good, good. Uh, my name's Sam Kerr. I'm the senior financial advisor at Nucleus Wealth. And for those listeners that don't know, Nucleus Wealth is an Australian active and passive investment manager. We're a global macro investment house and use the insights shared in this podcast to construct and manage our active portfolios. We're also the first to offer passive direct indexing in Australia, which has been labelled ETFs 2.0 as you can customise your chosen index with around 50 different ethical sector and asset class screens that we have on offer across all our active and passive portfolios. Just a quick housekeeping message. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and click on the bell below to be notified when we go live or have a new episode recorded. We are live every Thursday at 12.30 Sydney, Melbourne time. So jump onto the Nucleus Wealth YouTube channel and you can ask any questions that come to mind and we'll do our best to answer them during the show. You can also follow us on your preferred podcast platform as our show is available on all the majors. And if you'd like, it, like to look at the slides in more detail, we'll post them in the show notes this afternoon and you can view these at nucleuswealth.com forward slash webinars. So Damo, uh, you know the script. We've we've got the formalities out of the way, so I'll uh, I'll pass it over to you to get us started. Yeah, thanks, Sam. So I mean, what what we wanted to look at this week was, um, you know, the, I guess we'd call a disconnect in 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 terms of what we're seeing in terms of market pricing versus uh, versus what we're seeing in terms of fundamentals. Um, just I think there's there's a there's definitely a, a um, I don't know if I've ever seen as many people sort of all calling for a recession and um you know usually it's a bit more widespread in terms of you know you have a, a, a some people saying recession some people not but whereas now it's it seems to be a, a a preponderance of economists are all are all predicting it um but we're getting some quite different price action in terms of markets i guess what i wanted to do is just sort of delve into that a little bit more and just discuss what what some of the um where some of the disconnects are and 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 look what are the you know what are the signs you, you're always going to be looking for signs you can be wrong on both sides and um, you know, markets are certainly giving some 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 uh, some interesting signals at the moment. To um, where, whereas the fundamentals um, are still sort of lining up, you know, largely in the in the same direction. Um, and and part of that comes from there's sort of there's there's basically three effects you get in terms of markets. If if you do get go into downturns, you sort of get three effects in terms of why markets fall. And the first effect is interest rates rise, and so therefore um, there's a there's a relative. Um, investment thing between um, bonds and bonds and equities, and there's a uh, you know it increases a discount rate, and so equities come down. And we've pretty much seen all that already. So that was last year's fall in in markets as as the Fed and and all the different um, central banks raised interest rates. The next one is the earnings side. So 
Um, so, so yeah, so the first part affects the valuation, um, how how things are actually valued and what multiple people will pay. The second one is, um, well, if there's less earnings, then um, then you see see prices come down as well because um, you know markets go from pricing say 20 times earnings back to 15 times earnings, um, which is what we've sort of seen. And then if if the next leg is that earnings falls another 10, 15 percent, well, there's there's another leg down in the market. And then finally, um, uh, the, the the third effect is usually once you actually start to see uh, the effects of a recession and you start to see financial crises or, or other things kick in where, where companies start going broke. And, um, and and then you see another leg down in terms of earnings and, and potentially market sentiment as well is, is what, what you typically see. And so the question is always how big is each one of these effects going to be and, and how important is it? So um, with that sort of, I guess, intro, I'll, I'll sort of lead into... Um, to economic indicators, and and I spoke about it, um, saying that uh, you know that, that it's the most widely predicted recession possibly ever. Uh, I've got a chart up of um, this is from Deutsche Bank, but uh, almost every investment bank out there or economist out there has got some sort of measure, uh, similar measure, you know, whether it be Bloomberg or or some of the um, you know think tanks and all that sort of stuff. All we'll, we'll put these ones out where they basically just look at. Um, for a, a bunch of forward indicators and say what what do they think the odds of a recession are, and so this one's now saying eighty percent, um, uh, and and as I said, you know that's pick pick your pick your economists, um, you know they've almost all got the same um, type of thing at, at various uh, levels to sort of with with extremely high risks of recession. Then you dig in and say, well, why why is that happening? Um, and and the main reason is uh, the the composite. Well, sorry, leading indicators, which are sort of the surveys that that um, get asked of of companies and and corporates and and individuals. Um, you can sort of add together the those types of surveys, and and there's some indicators within those surveys that that are looking forward at, at what's going to happen, and and they're the least reliable because you know it's prediction, and so um, you know, nobody knows for sure with these things. And then you have the uh, the backward-looking ones, or the or the the coincident indicators, which is what's happening right now. And so um, and so this is just a, an OECD version. If you look at the G20, um, we can see here that uh, that that you know, it's decisively turned down the the leading indicators. Um, we've got two other sort of big ones on this graph. One is in two thousand and eight, and the other ones in in two thousand and twenty, and and so, you know, the, the pattern's looking similar. Where does it bottom out? You know, that's always a the key question, but it's certainly a, a significant downturn in terms of the uh, in terms of the leading indicators. Um, then I've got a similar type of chart, but just sort of showing um, so demo just just on the on the leading indicators there. What what are those leading indicators? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, almost almost. Um, Almost always, they're, they're surveys of things like uh, what are your expectations for capex? Uh, are you expecting to hire more people? Uh, what do you think? Of, you know, what are you? Are your prices? Are you expecting to put prices up, or are you expecting to put prices down in the coming quarter um, or the coming month? You know, a whole bunch of there's um, uh, various um, consumer confidence type ones might go into them, and, and business confidence as well, in terms of um, yeah, depending upon who's putting these together as to as to what which ones they're going to use, but but. Yeah. Almost always survey data. Yeah. Okay. All, all the key drivers of growth. So, so, and what and what people call soft economic data, like none of it's, um, yeah, when, when none of it's sort of you can really put your hang your hat on too much because some of it might be that, uh, you know, ten small companies all say that things are looking worse, and, and one large company says things are looking better, and, and so this survey might might make it look like you know things are terrible because you got 
you know, 10, 10 to one saying bad versus good, but, but the, the big company might be so much bigger than all the small ones that, it, that the, the actual economic effect is, is not there. So, yeah, so, so that, you know, you, you can, um, you can take them as a guide. You just can't, uh, you know, you, you can't be sure with the, the, um, the indicators. Yeah. Um, and so I've got another chart up just sort of showing uh, mixing the leading and leading indicators with the coincident indicators. So you can sort of see that the, the, and the coincidence are the one sort of the, the harder data in terms of what, what actually has happened right now. And we see that they're still ticking along. They still look all right. There's not really hasn't turned down at all. Um, it's all been the leading indicators that um, uh, have, have turned down. Uh, and uh, and what are what are what are those coincident uh, indicators? There? Oh, similar types of surveys, but but it's more about saying what's happened right now. So what? So in the yeah. last month. So so it might be you know, in the next month. Do you expect to put prices up or down? And then um, you know, in the last month, did you put prices up or down? And, and in the next month, are you expecting to hire more people? And in the last month, did you hire more people? And so yeah, so they're um, uh, and then and then you get the harder the harder data again, which is the not just survey about did you hire more people, but like the actual payroll data comes out, you know, a month or so after. And so, and that's sort of the, the better data. And, and I suppose even, even later than that, you get all the audited accounts and everything. And so then now you've got a, a, um, you know, a, a lot, a, a lot more solid view of what's going on, but, but it, you know, it's, it's a question, it's a trade off with all these about the speed of getting this data. If you wait for the solid data, you're going to miss, you're going to miss it each time. Sure. Cool. And uh, so the next chart you've got is valuation. So so we've got so so the background is all these all these economic indicators are looking bad, but the actual real economic activity hasn't really weakened that much yet. Um, then we look at valuations and we go look, you know, if you if you if you look at a um, all companies as a price to earnings ratio, it's about average in terms of the um, in terms of where valuations are. About they're roughly at the twenty year average. If you look at it excluding banks, um, energy, mining, um, so so banks and resources basically, um, then it's it's a little bit expensive. It's um, and and that's our sort of preferred measure because um, the earnings in in the banking sector and the mining sector and, and the energy as well can really swing around. And um, you can get some 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 reads where you know all other companies might be a little bit expensive, but but um, energy companies might be quite cheap because nobody's expecting. The earnings that they they earned over the last few years to continue forever, and so um, yeah, so so basically, you know, valuations are a little bit above average. So you're basically going okay, going into an economic downturn, but markets are still relatively richly priced, um, sort of which which you typically associate with 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 reasonable earnings expectations. And uh, Damo, is this for the MSCI World Index? Is that the one yes. you're looking at? Yeah, yeah, that's MSCI. Um, then then we're jumping into well, what are earnings doing and. and I've got these growth forecast lines now. Now, what? Um, and there's a whole bunch of little lines running across the 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 the, um, the chart, all in different colours, and each one of them is showing a financial year, or sorry, a calendar year for for the US here. So, for example, it's uh, if we're looking at the 2023 numbers, so that's the the year we're just going into now. Um, you know, roughly a year ago, analysts were expecting about 10% growth. And as time's gone on, they've gradually downgraded and downgraded those numbers, and, and now they're expecting about three uh, percent growth to, to come out, or two point eight. Um, and, and then you can see the different years and, and how those uh, how those fall down. And so, uh, typically, you know, my my you know, I guess the quick way of looking at this is that look, earnings forecasts usually start at ten percent. Um, 
in, in future years and then they get upgraded or downgraded one way or the other um you know there's a i think there's a, a an expectation within the analyst community and and you know when you look at further years out i think 10 percent is you know a bit of a round figure and, and that's roughly where they come to and then you know once once you actually genuinely start to get close then you start to see some some real movement in these so um and so you can see 20 2024 is still at sort of 10 percent growth as well so so there's still growth rates are still looking you know well they're above zero uh, and typically into a recession you'd, you'd see um, earnings fall more like um, 15 percent or 20 percent um and so that's our earnings expectations. So, so twenty twenty three there, Damien. I, I can see that the red line it's it's trending down. Mm. So that when they started that at round about ten percent, was that what a couple of years ago when that prediction was made or that forecast yeah, was so made mid, or mid mid twenty twenty one it started there and and through throughout most of twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two it stayed at ten percent. It was only sort of in the second half of last year that you started to see downgrades to that. Yeah, and um. Uh, we're about to hit reporting season. So, you know, in the next um, four weeks, you know, the, the bulk of US companies will report. And so um, we'll start to get a much better feel, I think, for for those figures. Sure, sure. The truth will come out. Yeah, that's right. And, and we're expecting, you know, quite significant downgrades still. So um, uh, I've got, I might jump sort of two two charts forward to the, uh, the, the, non, the US non-PMI leading indicator. Now, uh basically what this is is that there's a and this is again this is from morgan stanley but um you know pick your investment bank and they've all got their own version of one of these is that you can put together some of the uh some of the different survey data um and look at what they're you know weight weight each category and work out which ones you think are the most important ones and and um and come up with a model to try and predict earnings based on the survey data and and this one, you know, it's got an, an R squared of seven point uh, seven, which is basically meaning it's, it's about right seventy percent of the time. Um, you can see on the on the on the chart line, it, it tracks it relatively well in terms of when. Um, uh, yeah, and and sorry, and actually, it it's pushed forward one year. So basically, what it's saying is, you, you push that forward one year, and whatever that come out comes out with um, a year later, that's what that's the effect you'll see on earnings. Now this one's expecting twenty five percent downgrades to earnings. Uh, I've seen plenty of ones in that same in that same ballpark. So uh, what they're saying, I guess, is that you know earnings are currently positive, but um, you know they're expecting this this big um, this big drop in terms of the uh, in terms of the earnings. And so um, uh, yeah, so so the you know the, the, there is a sort of questions about well. Yeah, you know, I spoke about those three measures before. We've got the the um, impact on company, sorry, the impact on on valuations from from rises in interest rates. Then we've got the the cuts as as earnings gets as earnings falls, and then finally you've got the uh, you know a little bit extra in terms of the, the companies going broke um, and and, and um, uh, bankruptcies and things like that, making a bigger effect on the economy. Now, possibly that time around, we, we won't see as much this time around. So, so maybe some of these are overcooking the the downside. Um, and the other thing is, we have come from um, you know quite significant inflation that that wasn't seen in in prior models of this. And so, uh, you know, there's there's arguments for and against. You know, one argument is that yeah, look, inflation's gonna 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 um, fade a little bit a little bit more slowly, and so maybe that some of these are overdoing it. And, and there's another argument saying, well, actually, companies um, really benefited from inflation. Generally, they expanded margins, 
And so there's a there's a bit of catch up as well. There's a bit of they need to um, reduce margins to, uh, or, or they'll they'll have their margins reduced as, as uh, you know costs don't fall away as, as quickly as what uh, uh, sales and and revenues do. So um, you know from my perspective, I, I would say that uh, you know the earnings side, you know there's probably another at least ten percent down, more downside in earnings, um, and then you know if could could you make that twenty percent? Sure, um, or or twenty five, um, if if things get worse. But uh, you know, I think we'd we'd certainly pencil in another ten percent downgrade, and and um, uh, yeah, and then sort of trying to work out how how deep or how how bad the recession is going to be will will determine how much further that goes. Um, now the other one, uh, I've got another chart. The next chart I've got is is the same. It's the same chart except it's just looking at the difference between the two lines. Um, and it's making the point that actually the difference between those two lines is, is about as deep as it's ever been, um, the, the difference. And that last time we saw such big differences, well, we in the last 20 years, we've seen two, two times when there's, there's been such big differences. And in 2001, 2002, um, the, uh, the U S stock market fell 34% from, from when it bottomed. And, um, in the, uh, in the 2008, it fell almost 50%. And, and this this measure hasn't bottomed yet, so um, uh, yeah. This I guess this is your this is your negative view. This is one of the, the bigger bears out there. We spoke about him um, last week in terms of uh, Michael from uh, Morgan Stanley, Michael Hartnett. Um, and so uh, yeah, there's certainly you know you, you can certainly come up with some some pretty dire outcomes for for prices sort of following them on those. Uh, okay, so that, that's the earnings side. So so this. Again, putting this into perspective, we've got this economy which um, looks all right with the current thing, with all the current measures. All the forward ones are looking bad. Uh, we've got the earnings that's that started to turn down a little bit, but um, if it if it follows, you know, they, these forward indicators, uh, then there's quite cons uh, considerable downside to, uh, to to earnings. And then you get back to well, what are prices actually doing? And so, um, you know, have we seen any of this? Um, you know, what what looks like a pretty bad. Uh, fundamental outlook. What are we seeing reflected in in prices? And we'll jump into the actual prices in a minute. I'll let Sam you you sort of go with some of the the technical side. But I actually just wanted to highlight as well that um, uh, cyclicals versus defensives is a um, is an interesting one in in that uh, when cyclicals uh, are beating defensives, and what I mean by that is cyclicals are, are companies that that go through quite big cycles. So it might be a media company, for example, where um, you go into a downturn and all everyone cuts their advertising pretty quickly. And so um, they actually fall a lot further than the economy. And then when they come out of it, um, everyone everyone puts all, goes from not spending anything on advertising to spending on advertising and, and they, they, they boom um, faster than the economy. So cyclicals have actually been performing really well. So this is sort of, this is not the type of um, environment you expect them to perform well. Uh, you know, coming out of the COVID recession, absolutely. But, you know, the last... Um, you know, the last month or two, we've we've seen this big rally in terms of cyclicals, um, which would suggest that uh, you know all these economic indicators are effectively wrong, and that actually you know the Fed is going to manage a, uh, a soft landing, and that um, uh, you know they'll manage a soft landing, and and the economy is going to boom on, and so um, yeah, so so that's one part, uh, and then I wanted to talk just about the so that's, that's one side of the equation. The other side is the, the actual price movements, and and really just looking at that part where. Um, what we're really seeing is that things are, are coming to a head. So, you know, depending upon what technical analysis you, you look at, you can come up with a, 
a, a, a bearish or a bullish view. Obviously, you know, there's there's hundreds of different ways to look at this, but but the preponderance of people looking at at um, technical charts are sort of suggesting that we're coming to uh, to, to what you, to a, to an inflection point at the moment, which is sort of going to either push markets higher or lower. Um, and you know, obviously that's not not as helpful, but it's it is interesting knowing when we are coming to these uh, these points. But with that, I might leave it to you, Sam, to maybe discuss some of these technical charts. Sure thing. Uh, so I'll just bring up this chart here. Uh, so this is the S and P five hundred, uh, the ETF SPY. Uh, the most liquid ETF uh, in the world. So uh, I'd argue that more people are watching this than the MSCI World Index. That's why I've chosen this one. Uh, you can see where we've come. So this is a weekly chart of the last five years. Uh, so we've obviously had a, a huge run up in prices. Uh, then uh, this next chart here just shows essentially the same thing, except it's a daily chart. Uh, and so what, we're, what we've got on this chart here is we've got a 50-day moving average and also a 200-day moving average. Uh, and uh, in the world of technical analysis, uh, uh, technical analysis, uh, they're just people are just looking at price. So they're not taking into account fundamentals at all and uh, uh, making decisions based on what, what the price is doing. Uh, a lot of analysts have a lot of different uh, indicators, moving averages, and the like. Uh, and so on this one, there's the uh, what's called, well, when the 200-day, when price is above the 200-day moving average, uh, people, uh, technical analysts are often long, uh, looking for long positions. And then when it's below, uh, they want to be out of the market or short. And so uh, uh, a cross that's used is uh, when the 50-day crosses over the 200-day, um, that's often a, a sign of a turning point in the market. Uh, you, you can see here on this chart, uh, the most of the time, it's, it's going to keep you on the wrong side of the market, um, but then there's going to be a few false signals as well. Uh, well so, keep you on the right side of the market, yeah. Uh, yeah, on the right side of the market. And, yeah. and, and um, it's worth noting that yeah, there's a lot of, um, uh, commodity, they call them CTAs, commodity trading advisors, or, or uh, there's a lot of, momentum funds which basically uh, you know they they'll all have their own special sources to how they do it but but they're largely based off similar indicators and so um i don't think i wouldn't say these guys make the market in terms of you know they don't um they don't determine the overall aggregate level of pricing i, I don't believe but they do affect it very much at the at the, at the margins in the short term because what will happen is some of these indicators will go positive and as sam says you know the, the the price will go above its 200 day moving average and there's a whole bunch of people who have programmed into their computers um when the price goes over the 200 day uh, moving average then buy and then you know and then you're predisposed to buy and now you're looking for other signals to tell you to buy more and more and more and then when it falls they're they're going the other direction and so um and so while you know you you know you make up your own mind as to, to the technical analyst analysis for me it's it's saying two things one is it's worth looking at from a you know if there's smoke, you got to look to see whether there's fire. So, you know, price movement might be indicating that things are better or worse than, than what you might think from a fundamental perspective. But the other part is it's, it is showing that sort of short term, there's a short term rush in and rush out as, um, as, as 
various technical indicators get get um, ticked off, and there are a lot of people, and incre increasingly more and more people following these these short term indicators, and so that will push the market around in the short term. It just won't won't be able to hold it for the longer term. Yeah, uh, excellent. So I'll just jump to this next slide here. This is just a, a zoomed in uh, slide of the last three years daily price. So you can see the at the uh, about. March, April 2020, um, you know, we've obviously got this as the start of COVID. So uh, and the fastest market downturn in history. Uh, and then uh, obviously a bounce back up and had that huge run up. So if you're, if you're following the cross of the 50 day to the 200 day, you know, that would have, it would have been too late, but you wouldn't have really been out of the market for too long. And then you would have captured all the upside. And then uh, start of 2022, that's that's when we were in the downtrend, uh, the start of the downtrend. And I mean, in technical analysis, uh, downtrend, you know, it's uh, lower lows and then lower highs. So you can see in that uh, in that chart there, you know, I would argue the downtrend's still in place. So a series of uh, lower lows, lower highs. And I want to say, you know, this is an art, not a science. Uh, and uh, it's very subjective, uh, but if, if you're following it, you know, you can see that at the moment uh, the downtrend is still in play. I would say if, you know, the low there of about 350, um, so this is the ETF, so the S&P 500 is actually at about three, that low there, 3,500. Uh, so just add, add a zero onto the uh, y-axis there. And I'd say the high to look for if it's going to break is either, I would say, 430 uh, or 4,300 or uh, maybe 410. I would say there'd be some uh, a lot of activity if it breaks that high there. Um, but, I mean, the downtrend's still in play, uh, but mm -hmm. we're sort of getting to that point where uh, there's been this consolidation for quite a number of months and, uh, you know, the bulls and the bears, they're placing their bets. So, you know, people are placing their long positions, people are placing their short positions. But at the end of the day, someone's going to be right and someone's going to be wrong. So yeah. let's say it breaks out to the upside. I'm, I'm not saying that's what, what's going to happen. But if that does happen, all the shorts, they're going to have to cover their positions. Uh, they're going to have to buy their positions back. And often that adds a lot more fuel to the fire to uh, sort of increase the momentum to the upside or vice versa, uh, depending on, on what happens there. Yeah, because I guess that's it's this point is that you can see that right at the end of it, we've got those the the actual market line converging with the blue line and the red line in terms of all three is coming together, and that's if there's a decisive push up, that will just flip a lot of people, a lot of the technical traders who who literally just don't care what the fundamentals are, but they'll just go, oh, well, that's the all the, all the things are pointing, and they might push the market another five ten percent higher, and then on the flip side. Um, you know, if if it if it breaks lower, you might see the people who have been participating in the in most recent rally sort of again abandon ship, and so um and and, and you know there's a, there's a there's a, another analogy that that comes with it that I quite like is that you've got um so these these are the traders who are going to determine the sort of short term, and then you get the next phase steps in is where it's the the asset allocators like like ourselves or or other there's lots of other people out there who who do the same thing and they will be out there um. Sort of tilting in and tilting out of assets on on, a, on mostly valuation and, and fundamental uh, analytics. So the market goes too high, they start selling out their positions. Market goes too low, so they they're sort of like your medium term holding your market in. And then you've got your really long term ones, which are um, you know a lot of uh, 
there's high net worths and, and other people who are who are basically um you know are happy to sit outside the market completely and 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 aren't aren't sort of benchmarked or anything like that they're just happy to sit there and do nothing and just sit on cash or or, or other assets and then when markets get low enough now they pile in or when markets get too high they they get out and so they're sort of like your very long term um you know coming in to to, to pick up markets at when they're particularly cheap or or, or sell markets that are they're particularly expensive but um you know that, it's a mixture of those three um and, and i guess what we're saying is that the second two you know we haven't really changed but it's just worth noting that that first one's a um yeah there's, there's things going on yeah and uh, just one other point i want to make is uh where we are at the moment you know if it if it breaks those lows, a lot of technical analysts uh, work on support and resistance. So areas of previous buying or selling. And if it breaks those, uh, the most recent lows uh, from sort of October last year, uh, looking at this chart, there's no real major support for quite a long way down. So 320 or 3,200. So, I mean, the market could it could easily go down down there because there's no no real reason for for people for technical analysts to step in and start buying those areas whereas previous highs um often they'll they'll step in there with support and uh, and start buying uh there as well and uh i mean another argument from the technical sort of standpoint is uh at the moment looking at this chart here it's just a, a shorter term chart of the last uh two years uh but there's there's patterns there's all sorts of patterns that technical analysts uh, decipher from the from the price movement, and uh, what we've potentially got going on here is an inverse head and shoulders. Uh, so you can see the the October low, that's the head. Then to the left, we've got the first shoulder that's in, and then uh, right at the moment on the on the uh, far right of the chart, we've maybe got the second shoulder, and uh, and that would, uh, I mean, with technical an analysis. You never really know until it's happened. So you're you're working off probabilities and risk and reward. Um, but I mean, yeah, there might be an argument that this is going to break to the upside. Um, but then you know, uh, it obviously takes two opinions to make a market. So there's always uh, people on the other side of that as well. Yeah, but yeah, and the point is, as I said, if if it does break to the upside, if it pushes through, we get some a confluence of positive economic news, then maybe maybe there's a, a decent bit of upside. But but the flip side is there's you know it's an inflection point now's now's dangerous and the other one I just want to the other thing I wanted to highlight as well is market analogies now I see these charts floating around all the time I've got a chart up here just sort of comparing um, 2023 with 2008 and um, I just want to I just want to caution against it in terms of these ones like you, so this this chart looks and it's it's running back from um, you know from earlier on this week. Uh, back for and sort of lining that up with the first of um, with the start of the year in in 2008 and uh, oh sorry with December 2008 uh, October 2008 try that one more time uh, and then it runs back and goes hey look look how these prices moved really similar and so you know the implication is oh therefore um, this thing's just about to fall out of bed and and you know it's going to going to go down another you know, 50 percent or 60 percent uh, I'd caution against sort of drawing these ones you, you can. These you can these lines fit together um, far more um, than than you'd think. Like you basically pick any period and 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 you find pick any one given year and you can probably find um, something that'll line up. 
and give you either a bullish or a bearish or, 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 or a neutral view, depending upon what you want to do. So, um, yeah, I sort of, I guess, I guess the thing I wanted to highlight with these is, uh, yeah, they, they look, they look like they're giving you lots of information, but, um, really it's just a, uh, I think, I feel like it's seeing, seeing faces in clouds, um, you know, these, and you can just, you can, or pictures in clouds, you can, you can do it with, with just about anything on these. Excellent. Uh, so we've got we've got a couple of questions that have been coming through here, Damo. So uh, we'll just field a couple of these. So one from Ben O'Reilly. Uh, he is saying the big banks have all projected the trajectory of interest rates. Uh, so he's asking uh, what rate a month do you think interest rates uh, will likely peak in Australia? Have you got a view on that? Uh, look, it depends on what you whether you're talking about short-term rates or long-term rates. I think um, there's a reasonable chance we've already seen the tops in in the long term rates. Uh, I think the short term rates look now, now you're down to how is the uh, Reserve Bank going to uh, going to read the the information and how they're going to translate that into what they're doing. Uh, I think they've done far they've done enough and and too much already. I think they could they could easily pause and see what the effects are and and we're still going to see a pretty decent downturn, um, but. Um, I don't have any special insights into the RBA and when they're actually going to decide. Um, but yeah, so I, I do think there's a, um, uh, you know, that's, that's the, the part where I, I think as well, trying to guess, trying to second guess that um, the short-term stuff doesn't, is not as important as trying to work out that long-term, longer-term rates anyway, as to when they, they've, they've peaked or, or not. I think, uh, I do think they've, they've, Pretty close to peaked. Maybe you'll see a um, you know the, the one disclaimer to that is maybe there's what you know what Dave um, you know often describes as one more rug pull where um, central banks do look at what's called a financial conditions index and, and to try and work out you know is um, or basically what it's basically what it sounds like what are financial conditions like are they tight or are they loose and one of the things that goes into that financial conditions index is the stock market and so. Arguably, um, you know, how, on how you look at it, when you've had a big rally like we've just seen recently, um, that actually makes it look as if money's tight, money's easier, and so therefore um, the, the the central banks then for, therefore have to do more, and so um, and when they come out and start talking about doing more, like we saw last night, that's when we see um, you know markets start to fall away, and so there's this it's a bit of a push pull between that. If markets rally too much, then then um, uh, central banks step in and 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 have to talk about how they're going to raise rates more and if if markets pull, fall fall back far enough then then central grants can actually ease um ease uh earlier okay i i hope that gives you some insight there ben um and we've we've had a comment from philip uh he's saying the name of the game is to make a return and prevent large drawdowns uh, and he's saying here, you know, good technical analysis. You've got to you've got to take in, into account the risk factors, and uh, I think that's that's your point as well, Damo. Um, you know, and I just want to say it doesn't matter which side of the fence you sit on, whether you're all in on technical analysis or all in on fundamental analysis. You've got to have an awareness about what's going on um, in either camp. Because you know they do they do have an impact and they do influence each other and so you know I think it is good to to take note of of what's going on and and it'll one more measure as to when you might be wrong that's that's the main one we use it for is that um, you know, we will use uh, you know more quantitative measures for for stocks as well as markets but but the idea is that you know, we'll have a view a fundamental view about a stock and we like it 
but um, if the technicals are terrible and 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 the quant all quant signals are saying you got to be selling this on a on a um, you know on the price basis, then it's a it's not necessarily you know it's not something you have to go back and absolutely sell it. But um, it is worth saying. Well, maybe I've got something wrong. I need to go back and find out. Is there, is there are there things out there that other people know that I don't, and or is there non non uh, market non public information that that might be circulating that's that's you know going to come out soon, and I need to you know try and be on top of it. And that is uh, that's often the case. Yeah, excellent. And uh, uh, Philip's just come through with one final comment saying, uh, "Follow the Fed. Uh, follow the Fed funds rate." So maybe that's uh, to the point. Don't fight the Fed. Uh, which is a well well known uh, slogan in the investment world. Mm. That's right. And if you, if you, you know, if, if, and if you are saying don't fight the Fed, then the argument now is uh, yeah is not buying equities. That's you know, yeah. Should be selling equities if you if you're following that that rule at the moment. But yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, so now we've got our question of the week. Uh, so this is for viewers to so have some discussion in the comment section over the coming days. So the question for the week is, are you a technical bull or a fundamental bear and why? So uh, feel free to post your thoughts and engage with us and some of the other viewers over the coming days. Uh, so now we have the investment implications. Uh, yeah, so look, pretty much unchanged from last week. Uh, we're still looking at those, we're jumping into reporting season now and starting to see some numbers uh, coming up from the very early reporters, but it's, it's still too early to, to draw too much. Um, but you know, our expectations are that you know we want to be longer defensive uh, side of the stocks, uh, shorter on cyclicals. Uh, we do think uh, bonds are still looking quite good, and and there's been a uh, you know we've seen uh, a reasonable rally in that um, over the last uh, week or two. And uh, the property bust in Australia, another six months to run at least. Um, but then uh, you know we're probably looking at central banks starting to to, to look at cutting uh, in the second half of the year as uh, as all these uh, factors sort of come come through in the first half. Excellent. Nice one, Damo. Uh, so it's a bit of a shorter show this week. So thanks for sharing your insights as always. Thanks, Sam. Excellent. Uh, so we do welcome your feedback on this podcast, especially, especially in regards to suggestions for future topics. If you do have any ideas, please drop it in the comment section below or send us an email at contact at nucleuswealth.com. Just a reminder, this is general advice and does not take into account your personal situation. If you do want to discuss your personal financial situation, please go to our website at nucleuswealth.com forward slash contact and you can book a call with myself. Don't forget to like the video now. And if you know of anyone that might get some value out of today's episode, we'd really appreciate it if you can please share it with them. Also, if you'd like to see more of our previous episodes and content, head over to nucleuswealth.com forward slash content or subscribe on our homepage for our weekly Nucleus news and investment insights. We do put out a lot of other articles and videos in addition to this podcast. Uh, we have our new format, um, Nuclear or Rapid Insights, which is a shorter version of the podcast, generally between 10 to 20 minutes of uh, insights from around the world. Uh, and of course, you can follow us on all major social media. So for myself, Damien, and the rest of the team at Nucleus Wealth, thanks for watching, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now.